You're listening to Bow Down to Us, the lore edition, a podcast devoted to story-driven games. Here's your host, Joe. everybody and welcome back to bow down to us the lore edition episode 53 my name's joe and with me as always is roger and vince boys how you doing today fantastic and do still giving him first billing i know like, hey he, you he be makes quiet. him happy it makes him happy he's sick when he's not sick anymore then we'll see what happens that's okay you know what <laughs> next time you give him first billing i'm gonna swap it i'll let it <laughs> swap it around <laughs> So last week wasn't a very good week for story-driven games, let's be perfectly honest. It was kind of slim pickings. This week, however, thanks to the wonderful people of TGS, we have plenty of news. Starting out our our lineup tonight is going to be Deus Ex Human Revolution. We got a story trailer for Deus Ex Human Revolution. And this is a game that a lot of us have been really looking forward to. We loved Deus Ex Machina and its sequel. We loved those types of games. And how here we're starting to see... Uh, sort of a give and take between the humans and the biotics. You see a world that is on this 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 cusp of revolt, basically because there is a an entire breed of human that is above human. So that you have humans and you have these enhanced humans that are coming to a head, and we're starting to finally get an idea of the videos. We're starting to get an idea of the voice acting, and. I was really impressed by the video. It seemed like more like a cinematic trailer than it did in game trailer. And we're talking about not just like fast camera angles on the action. We're not talking about seeing monsters slow, slayed or things like that. We're talking about something that actually looks like it could be uh, cinematic landscaping or something that you would find on a Blade Runner sequel. You know, these rich environments with strife and you can actually see human emotion done inside of this trailer and the way they talk about the world as if everything's about to burn and this the sort of the stress and every anxiety that everybody's feeling at this point i thought it was kind of a huge thing and a huge selling point for this game as well yeah i love that that line at the end uh, this isn't the end of the world but you can see it from here it shows just how messed up this society has gotten and and how you know what what we're seeing in the trailer they they've also given hints that you know that that's not it there there's a larger enemy that's forcing the hand of these revolutionaries you know they they're not necessarily the problem they're just a reaction to a larger problem that you know you, you as the player are going to have to eventually face and just showing him rocketing up in the sky and the the Icarus metaphors i don't even know where they're going with that one what I liked as well is just what you said. You can see the emotion in the people. That's huge. I mean, it's all well and good to have these phenomenal um, action games that that still have a lot of story to them. However, it's something entirely different to make it so that when you're seeing the people on the street, you actually care about them or you care about what is happening to them because it's so well conveyed. That's huge. I agree. And that's it's a big selling point for any game like this, especially in a, in a world where all the games that are coming out are starting to try to raise this bar of storytelling lately. So, and from one cinematic experience to another, we also received word of James Bond Bloodstone. A story trailer was released. Uh, the game is being written by Bruce Fierstein, um, who is a veteran Bond writer who has movies such as Goldeneye, Tomorrow Never Dies, and The World Is Not Enough Under His Belt. 
he is crafting this new Bond game specifically with Daniel Craig's Bond in mind. That type of characterization, that type of interaction with the world, and that type of uh, sort of machinations of the mind. And to have such care put into a, what is essentially a first-person shooter story um, is pretty epic. And in the story trailer, you can actually see uh, that they say that he says flat out they wanted to create a cinematic gaming experience. And when we hear that word, the, that set of words, that phrase thrown around so often, a true cinematic gaming experience, it, they're just they're so far and few between. But this is one of those times where I actually think it could happen. Yeah, I, I love the fact that, you know, the, the, the Bond stories that were written for the novels worked well for the novels. The Bond stories that were written for the, the movies, for the most part, worked well for the movies. But, you know, the, the Bond stories that were written for the movies didn't always make good games. So it's, it's really great that we're getting a Bond story written to be told through a video game. It, it's it's going to play out a lot more, uh, a lot better. You know, it's just going to be more fluid all the way through. And, and I will have to agree, say what you will about the Daniel Craig Bond movies. The Daniel Craig iteration of Bond is actually perfect for a video game because, you know, he's, he's he's more soldier, you know, or at least as much soldier as he is spy. And, you know, in a video game, you just need big action in order to, you know, really draw in the fans. And the Craig Bond can deliver that better than any other Bond can, at least. And I think that because it is, like you were saying, it's it's going to be better because it was actually written for the game. That's actually huge because there's a lot of things that you have to take into consideration when you're writing for a game versus just trying to adapt a movie and make it something that's going to, you know, that you want to play through all of the the segments of the game kind of thing. That's you're, you're forcing a story versus this where it's a seamless fit. And. Coming from what is a cinematic experience to what is essentially uh, can be held as a religious experience, so to speak, um, we also received word of El Shaddai, the ascension of the Metatron. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Metatron is a reference to the voice of God. Um, it's interesting here because I'm not a very religious person, uh, but the stories of the various religions always intrigued me. And in this one, uh, the game is very loosely based on the old Hebrew text, the Book of Enoch, which follows the prophetic right-hand man, Epoch, as he quests to enlist the aid of seven fallen angels to stop a flood from destroying the earth. Um, it's kind of interesting to see uh, sort of this surreal landscaping, these surreal colors and scenarios put into a video game. And it is a kind of an epic story. Um, the game is divided out into 11 levels. Uh, each one has four sub-levels, and each sub-level has distinct story, uh, distinct art styles, and also switches between uh, third-person combat-oriented gameplay, which you can see in the image here on the screen now, uh, and a 2.5D side-scrolling platform. And I think it's kind of interesting to see something that, I mean, you ask people if they know who Epoch is, and or if they have any sort of religious knowledge and most people aren't even if they're super religious probably don't really know uh, and to see that that kind of story taken and molded into a video game uh, into this type of capacity is kind of interesting uh, it's also from a designer and uh, I'm gonna totally massacre this name uh, Takayasu Sawaki um, who has he was serving as an artist uh, for Okami and Devil May Cry so it's giving the game a very distinct aesthetic with a solid base behind it. And if anybody who's seen Devil May Cry or seen Okami, you know that these games are very 
pretty um, to see a story delivered through such a, a etheric medium like this and in, in this type of style is kind of awesome. And I'm looking forward to actually seeing how this this works out because I am always interested to see uh, another you know, nations take on another nation's main religion and have it turned into a complete video game experience just intrigues the hell out of me. Yeah, I've seen plenty of great stories come out of Japan based upon Western religion because, you know, they, they respect it as a religion, but they also are w- more willing to treat it as a work of literature than, say, a Western developer is. Like, I've seen some great anime, played some great video games that took the Western religions and just kind of ran with it as as a setting for a video game. I've played lots of really fun games with really great stories. Anything to add on that one, Roger? Not really, no. I I think it is good, and I think that it would be nice to see more people that are, I shouldn't say people, more uh, development companies that are willing to take that risk to bring forward um, games with religious undertones. However, the problem is, is that you have to then walk a pretty fine line. Um, is it going to be preachy? Is it going to, no pun intended, is it going to be something that is that the religion is an undertone, but that it doesn't control the story or that you can't enjoy the story if you don't follow that religion. Not everybody, as we well know, appreciates other religions. The, the thing is, is that if you if you do appreciate other religions, uh, regardless of whether you believe in it or not, but you can appreciate the the, the beauty of said religion, whatever it may be, then you would certainly be open to playing a variety of games that are based on that religion so long as it still doesn't come off as preachy because that's when you you can't enjoy it so that's the big thing here how is it going to be done in that regard and that's what's going to define whether or not it's a game you want to play regardless of if you're open to other religious experiences or not and from there, I'd like to move on to another set of TGS news uh, with a game known as The Last Guardian. Uh, this is from the creators of Ico and Shadows of the Colossus, two games that were hailed as pretty much the best in class for the PlayStation 2 era. Um, you're talking about a game that was originally announced, I believe, in 2005 and has been in development and been worked on constantly since then till now. And it's that same sort of epic storytelling, that same sort of uh, of visuals, that same sort of grand sweeping uh, scheme here. And TGS uh, released a sort of a, uh, it was a, a specific trailer with the main designer of it and talking about how he uh, has been blending different things like different imaginary animals together and things like that. Um, it's very nice actually to see something like this be reborn. And it comes in at a very interesting time as well because Ico and Shadows of the Classes are being re-released for the PlayStation 3 in a high yeah. definition version. That's awesome. What a coincidence. Uh, a high definition version. So I'm I'm excited for this. I can't wait to see the meat of this and see the story that comes out of it because Ico and Shadows of the Colossus were grand sweeping stories of an epic variety. I can I can't imagine this is going to be anything less. Yeah, I mean it, it, the one line in this trailer that that really uh caught my interest was when he was saying that he wanted the game to be realistic through the use of the imaginary. And, you know, that's such a great concept because, you know, if you take something real and put it into a video game, 
it's obviously, you know, it's fake. It's a video game. You know, you get into that whole uncanny valley thing. But, you know, they've put so much care into creating this fictional creature. And the, the fictional creature that they've created is in a lot of ways more realistic than anything else they could have put into the game. And it just the entire universe takes off from that entire philosophy. Roger? Uh, no, not much to add. We're kind of on a short time frame here, too, so I'm not going to okay. blabber on too much. It, I am excited for this. Ever since they announced it and ever since we knew the pedigree of the guys working on this, I've been excited. The only thing that I was concerned about before was just how much depth there would be to it and things like that based on the few things that we'd read before or seen before on it. As we're finding out more, yeah, we're finding out that this is going to be a... Um, worthwhile successor to those other games. And I'm super excited about the freaking remade <laughs> version for the PS3. <laughs> I'm so getting that. Now, from one great epic story to another highly anticipated game, uh, we also got a dev diary video from TGS uh, for the story of Fallout New Vegas. Now, anybody who played Fallout 1, Fallout 2, Fallout Tactics, or Fallout 3 knows that these games are actually very story-driven and what you experience in them. And to see something about this come up finally uh, is it's something we've been waiting for, and I know a lot a lot of people are looking forward to this game. A couple interesting things that I took away from the dev diary is that the story will actually link up with the original two games, Fallout 1 and 2, which were released well over a decade ago. Um, I think we're almost pushing 15 years, maybe. I, I don't remember the exact time frame on it, but a good while. And in truth, have almost no connection, if none at all, um, to Fallout 3. So you're in the care that they're putting into us is kind of awesome as well. Um, in the video, we see how they're setting up the story for it. You start in a very stereotypical Vegas uh, survival-ish type way. You get shot in the head and you get put into a, a shallow grave. And anybody who's seen Wise Guys or Casino, things like that, you know, that's how the mob does things. So it's kind of interesting to see that sort of aspect of it. And I'm kind of trying to figure out how this links in with Fallout 1 and Fallout 2, which are both games that I absolutely adored and played the shit out of. What do you guys think? It, I want to play this. I want to be excited for it. I love the other ones. It's just going to come down to what else I'm going to be playing at the time. Because is it enough to take me away from other games that are going to be coming out kind of thing? I, that's going to be the only thing. Because, yeah, I loved all the other Fallouts. Um, I, I checked it while you were yakking away there, too. Fallout, the first one was in 97, by the way. So, was yeah, we're going back quite a while here. Now, that being said, a lot of people who have played, say, as recently as three, have played the others. So, it is something that it's going to be that nice cookie for, for those who have played all of the games, for sure. I, if it's done really well, then yeah, it's going to be a blast to play. And I love post-apocalyptic games i mean i absolutely adore that style so it's something that I, I i i don't know i may pick it up it'll depend on on basically i will wait though to see what kind of reviews it gets yeah, played the hell out of fallout one and two jeez i can't even tell you how much time i spent in fallout three just for some reason and i cannot explain it whatsoever i'm not interested in new vegas i can't say why just it it's under my radar that's fair I think I think it might be something that you may potentially get more excited about, if at all, uh, as it becomes closer to release. But 
Yeah, I know. I know. I'm definitely picking it up on day one. See, I'm more excited about the potential for the MMO than I am this, though. Not me. I don't know. I, the, as far as the MMOs go, um, I think that they have an easier time delivering a very story-packed game as a standalone as opposed to the MMO. I'm not saying that it's beyond them, but I just... I. Fallen Earth left a very bad taste in my mouth for post-apocalyptic MMOs, and I really don't want to see my beloved Fallout series die like that. So I'm kind of hoping that doesn't. It all <laughs> comes back to how well is it done. True. Very true. Now, from there, we also got news about the story for Star Wars The Force Unleashed 2. Uh, now, Star Wars The Force Unleashed was a very action-packed, force-filled game uh, that showed the prodigy of Darth Vader uh, going through in his moral dilemma. Um, here, we actually get a little more information about Starkiller, um, his protege, who we now finally has a name. Um it talks about how he's once more the pawn of Darth Vader, um, but instead of training his protege as a ruthless assassin, the Dark Lord is attempting to clone his former apprentice and attempt to create the ultimate Sith warrior. Um, and also, Starkiller, at some point in the story, is in pursuit of Juno, uh, which is his love from the first game, uh, while he's being hunted by Darth Vader. Um, it's kind of an interesting play on that whole uh, sort of kind of father sonish thing that was going on there um and it's a little more interesting to me to see because Starkiller walks that sort of gray line he exists in a very gray world he doesn't he under he was bred for killing things he understands bad he but he's starting to understand good and love and hope and to see a character who very honestly the way they did it the first time he was showing great emotion through his you know basically through everything that he was doing through his facial animations and now this i'm i'm looking forward to seeing how the story is going to evolve meh i'm with him never got in never got into the first one <laughs> and and for the it, it was mostly just due to gameplay reasons because i i played the demo for the first force unleashed and i was like man this is really fun but i felt that even through the demo i had experienced pretty much the bulk of what the gameplay had to offer me and i just never it never felt worthwhile of a purchase to me. As good as the story may or may not be, I just never really felt like playing the game. And see, I did the demo as well. And yeah, it, it played reasonably well. But I um, I still feel that it, it wasn't enough for a Star Wars game for me to care enough to 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 play it i mean look at how much it's taking with the old republic that's got me interested now granted if anybody's a, a real star wars fan then yeah they'd be all over this but i'm not enough that this actually grabs me uh moving on from the uh, force unleashed 2 we also got news from uh tgs and team ninja uh that ninja gaiden 3 will be coming out um ninja gaiden 2 was a very action-packed ninja-esque well i would say not so much a ninja because there wasn't really a whole lot of stealth but just high action game um where ryu is just destroying tons of monsters and a bloody bloody experience um now though it seems like they're trying to add a more human side uh sort of an emphasis on that as well um as well as increasing the blood experience now ryu was very mechanical in this in ninja gaiden 2 you didn't really hear much about it you know he was just 
you know, he was just there. Uh, and now we're actually going to get to see maybe a little bit more of his human side. I'm kind of interested to see what type of storytelling techniques they do on this one. Ryu. Ryu. Whatever. Ryu. Ryu. Pet peeve of hey, mine. Moving on. Along. Uh, from there, we're going to move on to uh, Halo Reach. Um, now, you might be under asking, why is Halo Reach being talked about on a lore show? Um, well, actually, there's a surprising amount of story uh, behind Halo Reach. Uh, it is a prequel to the first game, uh, and there was a book that was released dealing with exactly this setup for the first game, um, which this deviates from that story quite a bit. Um, Vince, I was wondering if maybe I could get you to talk on this a little bit as I'm I'm, I'm not that far into the game quite yet. Actually, hold Sorry. on. If, if people don't know that there was quite a lot of story in this, then they're not checking our site often enough. Come on, folks. It's on the site. <laughs> Vince wrote a fantastic review for that. Granted, I was going to peg that at the end of Vince talking. I just want to make sure that we're clear here. Everybody should already know this. If you're listening to this, you should have gone to the site this morning and saw that review. Yeah. Well, you know, in the interest of time and uh, trying to avoid spoilers, I will try to keep it brief. But yes, you are correct. Halo Reach is the prequel to the Halo franchise. And they did release a novel several years ago called The Fall of Reach. And it's been several years since I've read it, so I've kind of had to refresh my memory a bit here and there. But it, it details uh, the Master Chief, the main player, main character, playable character from the other Halo games and another group of Spartans, you know, trying to defend Reach. And they had a mission to take out a Covenant ship. The details are kind of fuzzy to me, but the game Halo Reach focuses on a completely different team of Spartans. We have to remember the planet Reach was the center of R&D for the United Nations uh, Space Corps. So this is where the Spartans were being trained and built and modified and everything. So there are plenty of Spartans to go around for story purposes. You know, they can tell a different story from what's told in the book. Unfortunately, they they seem to have strayed away from the lore of the book quite a bit. As a matter of fact, Bungie has said they wanted to make a game where the players could enjoy the story without having to read any of the literature, which you can do without completely ignoring the literature and, and you know it, it's a it's a small issue for me because I obviously the book wasn't you know that great if I'm not remembering much of it I mean I remember it was a fun read but, you know it added to the universe it just kind of bugs me that they added to the universe and now they've taken that away and said okay we're gonna do it for real this time but anyway the story in Halo Reach is really fun you know, you're, you are playing the role of Noble Six, the sixth member of the Noble team of Spartans. And you're given this this great team of, you know, your usual heroic types, you know, the leader, you know, the, the, the hardcore chick, you know, the guy with the big gun, you know, all the all the usual tropes that you see in action action games. And kind of that's it. There's not a whole lot of character development to be had. They, they you know, they pretty much end up the way they start off. Very little bits here and there. It just... For, you know, to, to reiterate some of what I said in my review, they just missed on a couple of key points of the story. Like they, there, there wasn't a whole lot of story to be had. Like, OK, Covenant are attacking. OK, Covenant are kicking our asses. OK, everybody's dead. The planet's gone. You know, hey, spoiler alert. If you never played a Halo game, the planet gets glassed at the end. No, hardly anybody lives and gets off of it. So going in, I was expecting this really you know, heroic last stand of just epic battle after epic battle and things getting worse and worse and, you know, drawing yourselves farther and farther into the corner. And the the narrative of the game never quite lived up to it. Um, it it kind of went up and down as far as the uh, the pacing. I, it, 
it wasn't a bad story. It just missed on a lot of points that I would have liked to have seen. Okay. Well, I mean, that said, I mean, I just started into um, the the Halo game and I was actually fairly impressed with it. And it was ironically enough, this is the first Halo game that I've ever seen fit to purchase. Uh, <laughs> Um, I haven't been a fan of first person shooters on the 360 in a long time. Uh, and I'm actually very impressed with, uh, the way the game is presenting the story as well as the, the graphics, the gameplay and the visuals so far. Um, I'm looking forward to getting through it myself. Um, but yeah, I thought it was very interesting to see how far they deviated. Um, and moving on from Halo, uh, I'm going to ping Vince once again for this, uh, with some Star Wars, the old Republic news with designing the light side. Yes, we got to see a new designer diary from the boys at BioWare called Designing the Light Side, where they really talked about the ways that they expanded upon the Jedi for this game and the decisions they made and why they made them and how it supports everything from both a lore side and a gameplay side of things. They talk about how in the Knights of the Old Republic games, you were always playing an outsider that was trying to get into the order, you know, late or on in life. Whereas in the Old Republic, you've been raised as a Jedi. You are a full-fledged Jedi. No qualms about it. And they go on to how, you know, they make the characters look right. You know, the, the Jedi, they're, they're the sense of balance in the universe. So they wear these nice muted earth tones and, you know, these robes that just are simple. And, you know, they, they range from, you know, these nice, like, you know, the stuff we've seen in a lot of other games, the spellcaster robes, all the way to just the simple, you know, Jedi Knight brown robe with some armor underneath. And it goes a long way to, to expanding the character and their role in the gameplay. How they how they say that the Jedi Knights, you know, they're they're the defense force. They're the ones that are out there helping the people actively on the front lines, you know, fighting off the forces of the dark side. Whereas the consulars, they're more diplomatic. You know, they, they, they're behind the scenes, but they also can get their hands dirty, as I showed, you know, as, as a consular. Sometimes you, you have to beat some uh, sense into people instead of talking it into them. Or so backstab cool. them. Yeah. Backstab so, you know, them into learning their senses. Yeah, you, you can't you can't really uh, be a good diplomat if everybody knows you're going to stab them in the face. So you got to have some stealth abilities and stab awesome. them in the back of the face. <laughs> so it, it's really cool. And one of the really awesome parts that I brought out of this is they're talking about how your decisions are going to affect your squad mates and that if you choose to level your consular as a healer, your AI companions are actually going to be stronger in combat and allow you to be a healer instead of having to be combat and healer. I thought that was a really nice choice. And going farther into the consular and the force powers, they wanted to show that even using the powers, the Jedi are about balance and about good. You know, all their 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 abilities, they have, you know, calming colors, white, blue, green, you know, all the colors we normally associate with Jedi and how all of their abilities, they don't necessarily use the force as a tool. It's more a part of them and their their spells radiate out from their body instead of taking the outside world and using it. They're taking their inner strength and then influencing those around them. I thought it was a really, really cool look into the entire development process of the game. And despite some recent missteps on Bioware's end uh, that we won't get into... It 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 is it has helped reinforce my faith in this game. See, I took away a lot of different things than you did from this, and one of them being you keep saying that the again it's 
the Jedi are the good class and whatnot. But what I took away from this too is the fact that they're going to allow you to play your Jedi as um, not just the goody two shoes Luke Skywalker, but also the Anakin skywalker version that is not afraid to get their hands dirty to get a job done hence the opening the freaking airlock and dudes flying out there um so it's not it you can be that jedi that is also got some moral complexity in terms of the choices that you make and that it's not necessarily a always choosing the quote-unquote good options so i really like that because certainly we had heard that you would have options on how to play your character in terms of your the moral choices that you make but this reinforces that they're they're well aware that not everybody who is going to be playing as a jedi or a force class is going to be the quote-unquote you know goody two-shoes type of jedi i also really loved seeing the um the differences with the consular and how you can play them the fact that you can be a freaking rogue with a lightsaber <laughs> and mm-hmm. have sneak is doesn't seem awesome. the most stealthy of weapons it doesn't yeah <laughs> all it, that humming <laughs> it doesn't seem to fit the counselor doesn't seem to fit as that rogue class i can see some of the other ones fitting that role far better but I'm interested. Well, don't forget, it only hums when you activate it. You can go up there without it activated and then just somebody's back and push right the through button. Yeah, exactly. yeah, this is true. Um, but I, I kind of wanted to uh, expand on what you said there, Roger. But I, I feel that the better established the archetypal role of the Jedi is, the better they can really put the the design aspects of what they you know the universe not just the developers not just the players what the lore and the universe support what a jedi should be then that's that much more of an impact when you do choose to venture into those gray areas see and i think that's really what i took away from it too this entire thing like just the 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 aspect of choice and that's what they were talking about they were talking about that um they're going to present you with the classical jedi fantasy uh that you've seen before with you know all of our our luke skywalkers obi-wan kenobi's mace windus uh etc etc um but it's choosing how to play your character and how to explore the world and how to interact with npcs that really defines the jedi so i think that's really important because People do have this idea in their head that Jedi are this very black and white, very we're good, they're evil type things. Um, instead, you get to see there's complexity in every choice they make. You know, everything they do has consequences and they they, they judge it or they don't. And there's consequences as a result. Um, you know, so I think that's really important because in a, a game that's going to be an MMO that's going to be as story driven and as, as character interaction driven as this one is, seeing something like that is absolutely amazing and really makes me excited for this game and keeps me like little tidbits like this, little dev diaries like this. This is what keeps me interested in wanting to play this game, even though it's not even close to being on my hands quite yet. The only other thing that I would say about this, granted, I could go on about a lot of different things that I was super impressed with. But the only other thing that I would say that has got me very, very excited is the fact that they said that you can play your Jedi Knight all the way through to the end, experience everything in the game kind of thing, and then make your counselor after that. And play them through to the end and have a completely different experience, not just in terms of the gameplay because of the different styles, but the actual lore in the game. That means that your alts 
will actually have different experiences and not just be doing the same old quests that you already did. No more having to run through freaking Westfall for the 50th time doing the same <laughs> quest. You're actually going to experience something different. That that means, again, that's a level of depth that we don't see often enough. But that there also means that you're getting your money's worth from your $15 a month and then some. Yeah, even if you make the same decisions, even if you level your consular and your knight, both as the goody two-shoes type characters, even if you see the same events, the way your character is involved in those events are going to be from two radically different standpoints. So that's really awesome how you don't even necessarily have to make different decisions to get a different gameplay. And I think with that, we are going to call it an evening. Um, everybody feel free to stop by bowdowntous.com to check out Vince's awesome review of Halo Reach as well as other features uh, such as Spider-Man Shattered Dimensions while you're there feel free to stop by our site uh, with the shops for our apparel uh, any t-shirt you buy every pair of panties every uh, backpack you buy helps us out in the long run and I know Roger would appreciate it so with that I will bid you all good night and we'll see you next week all right. Well, Joe had to take off. So you know what that means? I am taking over Bow Down to Us, the lore edition. Roger is, has muted out. He's down drinking a glass of wine. Joe's taken off. He has to go play with his uh, imaginary friends. So what I want to talk about to end this show is the best thing to come out of TGS, in my opinion. And that is the ridiculously awesome, epic seven and a half minute trailer we got for Castlevania Lords of Shadow. And even though it's all in Japanese without the added awesomeness of Patrick Stewart, it was still freaking fantastic. And I cannot wait for this game to come out. What we're seeing here in Lords of Shadow is for the first time in over 20 years, a reboot of the Castlevania franchise. As we talked about in the games podcast, rebooting a franchise after four games, not a good decision. Rebooting a franchise after a couple dozen games that makes sense because part of the the draw of the castlevania franchise was that they managed to shoehorn every single game into continuity but you know after so many games that timeline is starting to get a little full so it is time for something fresh and we are seeing that here we are treated to gabriel belmont the last hope of humanity the Lords of Shadow have taken over the uh, 11th century Middle Europe, wherever this is, and they have cast a spell to cut humanity off from heaven. There is no more God in this world, and all of the creatures of the dark, the minions of hell, the things that live in between are starting to take over the world, and humanity is running out of places to go. Gabriel is coming to be their savior. And why is Gabriel fighting for everybody else? Because he has lost his love. His wife, Maria, has been killed by one of these dark creatures. So Gabriel is at his wit's end. He has lost his one ray of hope in the universe. So he is willing to go where others would not dare to go. He is willing to live the solitary life of this hunter and to do the things that nobody else neither wants to or is able to do because as they say a warrior of pure heart is needed to claim the power of the lords of shadow and use it for good to reunite heaven and earth once more so we're seeing gabriel's awesome quest against the quote-unquote lords of shadow they 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 are the vampires of this version of the castlevania world and they are freaking awesome if you look at some of the 
graphics and character designs on these things. You get all your traditional Castlevania archetypes. There's one that is death. There, there's a gargoyle version. There's the creepy little girl that wants to play chess with you. There is the hot chick that may or may not actually be the Lord of Shadow. As they say in the cutscene, the Lord of Shadow, from what we're seeing here, is a female. It may not be Dracula as your main villain in this game, which is a huge break from traditional Castlevania. But like I said, after 20 years, if you're going to start up something fresh, start completely new. I'm okay with a Castlevania game that may or may not have Dracula as the ultimate villain in the game. There's still vampires. There's still awesome creatures. It looks to be at least in tone, if not in necessarily setting and story a perfect Castlevania game. And as we're seeing in this trailer, Gabriel has to fight the darkness inside his self, his jealousy and his anger. He has to hold on to, to the light inside of him or he's going to risk becoming corrupted by the power of this mask, this ultimate power that can either end the world for good or defeat the Lords of Shadow and reunite Earth with Heaven. And Gabriel may or may not be willing to sacrifice the greater good of all of humanity just to bring his life, his wife back. And I think that's going to be a really, really great story from what we've seen in here. Great drama, great voice acting, even on the Japanese side. I can't wait to see what they get with these big American voice actors that they've shown us so far. I cannot wait to get my hands on this game, and it is right around the corner. It's coming out October 5th. It's actually coming out in North America before it comes out in Japan, which... I can't even begin to understand how that's happening, but I am so glad I'm going to have this game in my hands in just a short couple of weeks because I absolutely cannot wait. What the crap is that? I don't know if you guys can hear this. <laughs> There's one of these trailers that's playing. I don't know what the crap it is or what they're saying. Okay. This one I understand. Best part of TGS videos, you can just make up your own stuff. Stop it. Why is it doing that? <laughs> if you want to swap it, go ahead. It's no, fine. No, we'll be fine. And if not, we'll have Jeopardy. Everybody loves Jeopardy. I just reloaded it myself and I got nothing. Okay. Same. I thought that he was saying dead air because nobody was talking after you were done. <laughs> okay, let me stop it and start it. We'll be fine. <laughs> Sorry, folks. For some reason, Ustream just decided to die on us. So I'm not even going to say a damn word. Not even if you screw up, which you probably will. <laughs> <laughs> and what kind of trash are you talking here in the chat room? <laughs> All right, you're making fun of Gabriel. Okay. Oh, come on. Awesome hair, square jaw. You're fighting vampires. <laughs> Don't think that you're going into cooking or cabinetry or anything like that. Pick up a sword. 
start hacking vampires to bits. You can start off working in housewares, but eventually you're going to have to blow the heads off some zombies. It's, it's just a known fact is what it is. I don't have to.